0: From the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University, this is Writer's Talk. I'm Doug Danglin. Today, David Weaver from the Ohioana Library drops by to discuss Ohioana's September 8th trip to the Cleveland Playhouse Square. And then we feature some live recordings from the Ohioana Book Festival with authors Les Roberts and Robin Yochum talking to OSU student Joe Frazier about their books, The Cleveland Creep, and the essay, A Novel, respectively. So stay tuned. Today I am talking to David Weaver from the Ohioana organization who will be here to talk to us about some of the Ohioana book tours that are happening this fall in early and mid-September. So welcome, David.
1: Pleasure to be here, Doug. Thank you for having me back. Um, Yes, as you were saying, it is. these are our fall tours. We just had uh, several events which took place in Columbus in June and July. Very successful. Um, So now we're uh,
0: bursting out of central Ohio as it was, and we're going to Cleveland. Okay. So tell me about the September 8th event that will happen in Cleveland. What sort of writing and uh, Ohio links are there besides obviously being in Cleveland? Well, uh, September 8th, we
1: are going to be at the Playhouse Square for a program that we're call, calling The Curtain Rises on Playhouse Square, a drama of rescue and restoration. I don't uh I certainly didn't know this before I uh I first got involved with this project, but but the Playhouse Square in Cleveland is the largest performing arts center outside of Lincoln Center in New York City. Hmm. And it is several magnificent theaters of various sizes um which vary Came close to the wrecking ball Um, uh, in the 1970s. Of course, people here in Columbus will also remember that the same thing also. Could have happened to our our own uh, treasured theaters. Now the Ohio and the Palace and the Southern. So, um, but it really took an effort to save these theaters um, in the late 1970s, early 1980s. And there was one guy, Ray Shepherdson, who became such an expert on this that he became a nationally renowned expert. So, anytime um, a city was trying to save a theater um historic theater. Ray was the guy that you turned to. So and what we're gonna actually be doing is we're gonna be doing a backstage tour of the of the um several theaters that make up Playhouse Square, um, beautiful murals, uh, murals, um, tremendous architecture um, that people are going to be seeing, and we're going to be talking about how Ray Shepardson led the effort to save these historic theaters. And our tour guides are going to be Jeannie Emser Schultz, who is the tour guide, the official tour guide. And, uh, and backstage raconteur of Playhouse Square, and who is the author of Playhouse Square, An Entertaining History. And she'll be joined by John Vacha, who is the author of a number of books on Cleveland theatrical history. And one of his books, Showtime in Cleveland, is actually going to be included as a part of the price for going up and uh, taking part of this tour.
0: Okay. So uh, is Mr. Uh, Shepard no longer alive to lead the uh, train? Well, Mr.
1: Shepardson now lives uh, um, uh, outside of Cleveland. I believe okay. he is a resident now in Chicago or Minneapolis. I, I'm not really sure and stuff, but he still is very much active. He has been back a number of times for um, significant celebrations as part of uh, Playhouse Square's history. So um, it's the area where, I mean, everything performs there from from – from the Broadway series um, to the Cleveland Opera to the ballet, so it is it is a very well used space. But again, what is fascinating to me um, when I first went up when we were kind of scoping this tour out was was how all of these theaters run off of one single lobby and stuff. So it's it, it, it's not unlike going to the uh, Cineplex. <laughs> yeah, it must be one heck of a lobby. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so anyway, it's a it's a great place. It's going to be Saturday, September the eighth. The tour is going to take place from 10 to 1. Um, so if people are going to come from Columbus, you know, leave a couple of hours early. Um, we're suggesting that people... Um Have lunch afterwards and take in some of the other sites of Cleveland. Of course, you've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I personally am going to the Cleveland Public Library because simultaneously they are doing uh, a display of memorabilia from Playhouse Square. So that kind of ties in. So it's going to be an interesting uh, time to go up. And uh, from 10 to 1, the price, um, for those who might be so inclined, $35 for Ohioana members. And if you're not a member of Ohio it, and by golly, why aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, the sure. cost is $40, but both of those includes a copy of John Vach's book, Showtime in Cleveland. Is this a book that
0: you've had the opportunity to read yet, or one that you have to read? I have
1: read, not. I read his uh, his history of the Hannah Theater, which was very fascinating. So um, I did uh, research on that because I was actually at the same time working on a book of my own about Ruby Elsie and Porgy and Bess mm-hmm. um, when it first played, Cleveland played at the Hannah Theater. So I read John's book at that time. Great theatrical history. So if you're a buff of old theaters or of playhouses or theatrical companies, you know, this is going to be a great trip to go on. Okay.
0: And of course, the Cleveland Public Library will be yes. having the uh, a, a collaborative event at that time so you can do all kinds of reading, which is what at Writer's Talk we really want to the focus on. Where do you get the books? Where do you do the reading? That yes. kind of stuff. You know how our how it goes for us, David.
1: Yes. So anyway, um the number to call is 466-3831, or you can also purchase tickets online
0: at org. David Weaver from Ohioana, I really appreciate your coming by to talk to us today about the Ohioana Book Tour is coming up on September 8th. Thank you, Doug. More information about the Ohioana Tours can be found at our website, www.writerstalk.org. And now, let's travel back to this year's Ohioana Book Festival for a discussion
2: with Les Roberts about his writing. I'm Joseph Frazier, and I'm here at the Ohioana Book Festival with Les Roberts. He is a mystery writer author of 26 novels, uh, let's see, a dozen short stories, eight screenplays, and countless other articles and reviews. Thank you for being here.
3: Oh, It's a pleasure being here.
2: So your new book is called The Cleveland Creep. Cleveland Creep. Which is quite a title. What is Cleveland Creep? Or who is a Cleveland Creep?
3: In Cleveland, uh, a Cleveland Creep is if you're uh, parked at a, or not parked, but you're stopped at a stop sign, and the guy next to you is kind of creeping across before he's supposed to. Uh, that's called a Cleveland creep. But in my book, that means something else altogether.
2: <laughs> that when the person across the, the other side of the stoplight, you mean? Yes.
3: Okay. It tries to kind of creep across the uh, the section.
2: Yeah. And so, is this a mystery novel? Yes, they're all mysteries. Okay. Yeah. And so, the Cleveland creep is he the is he the protagonist of the story? Actually, he's the victim. Oh, he's the victim. Yes. Okay. Um, so, why don't you just tell me a little bit about the book?
3: Well, the, the book features my, uh, regular series private investigator, Milan Yakovich, he's in, as I say, a private eye, in Cleveland. And he is asked by a woman to search for her missing son, who is 28, uh, who, he doesn't have a job, he lives at home with his mom, uh, he's very weird, and, uh, uh as it turns out that he has a, uh, a rather bizarre hobby. He uh, travels around to uh, malls and he's got a shopping bag with him and in the shopping bag is a camera. And he will park right next to a young woman wearing a skirt and, uh, you know, put the, the bag down. And that's what he does. Well, he gets into
2: a lot more trouble than that. <laughs> so this is, is this uh, novel number 26 or
3: 27? Uh, Actually, it's twenty five. Twenty six okay. is coming out uh, in uh, August. That's called Whiskey Island, and I'm writing number twenty
2: seven. Okay. So. And they're all mystery novels. So how, how do you keep pulling these ideas out?
3: Oh, that's so, the easy part. Is it? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I get about twenty ideas a day. Not, <laughs> not necessarily for entire plots, but you know, for a scene, for a character, uh, for a crime, whatever it is. Uh, That's easy. The the the, the tough part is writing the darn thing. Why is that? Well, because it's you know I I sit there in a room all by myself uh, for hours and hours every day. I mean that's what I do for a living. And uh, uh, sometimes I'm desperate to go out and just talk to people and look at people. That's why I love uh, a book festival like this because I've been talking to people all day and. You never know when uh, one of the other of them is going to show up in one of my books. They'll never know it. <laughs> Could be you.
2: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that writing process. Do you jump out of bed every morning and hit the hit the keyboard or the paper?
3: Uh, pretty much so. I, I, I get out of bed about 7, 7.30. I don't set the alarm. Uh, I have my coffee. I, I read the paper. Uh, about 9 o'clock, I will sit down uh, and write until approximately two or three o'clock in the afternoon and then and then i go do whatever i want okay Uh, if i if uh on that particular evening i have nothing to do i will always go back into my office which is in my you know in my home Uh, i'll go back in there and i'll look at what i did this morning i'll fix it (laughs) because it's uh I do a lot of rewriting of my own work. There are a lot of writers who say, oh, I never rewrite, I just write a first draft and they publish it that way and I never edit it. Well, he's either a liar or a lousy writer because that's my best writing is done going over and saying, I can use a better word here, I can move that paragraph somewhere else or I can cut it out altogether. So it's uh, it's always very, very creative. I, just, uh,
2: I can't wait to get up in the morning and do it. Now, do you consciously try to put off that editing process until that evening or when you're writing, you know, like 10 in the morning, do you find yourself maybe wanting to go back? Sure. And do you do, you, do you do that or do you just try and stop yourself and just try and get it all out?
3: No, on no. The page? If, if, if I have a good idea for something that I wrote yesterday or even, you know, five or six days ago, I said, I, I had to go back and fix that now while I'm thinking about it.
2: Because if I started taking notes, they'd be all over my wall. And do you you write out longhand or do you type? Oh, no.
3: I can't even read my own handwriting when I go to (laughs)
2: the grocery store. No, I I, I use a computer. Do you find yourself... I've heard some writers have to physically remove the Internet from the computer because they might get on there and get distracted. Uh, Or do you find it pretty easy to sit down there for... When I
3: first got a computer years and years ago, and I, I got on the Internet, and oh, you can go into chat rooms and you can do all sorts of fun stuff, and I... After about three or four months, I thought, "This is boring," (laughs) and it's it's distracting me from what I want to do. So, uh, you know, I I check my email every morning, and I go on Facebook, which my publisher has told me I have to do, Uh, and that takes about forty minutes, I guess, and then I I write
2: the rest of the day. Do you enjoy Facebook, or is it is it business?
3: Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's a very political time right now, mm-hmm. and I I have tried to stay out of that, but I can't because I have very strong political opinions, and I uh, am not uh, uh, reluctant to state those.
2: <laughs> is there um, so you've written novels, short stories, screenplays? You wrote for a number of TV shows. Yeah. Um, is there a genre that you haven't written for yet that you'd like to? Uh,
3: well, I've written, I wrote comedy for years, in, in, you know, in television, um, I've uh, written a lot of dramatic shows and I've, you know, I've written all these mysteries. Uh, I haven't done science fiction, I haven't done a western, I love westerns, I own maybe 50 John Wayne movies and all the Clint Eastwood movies, but uh, that's a lot of research. Mm-hmm. you know uh, doing a Western I don't want to do that so I uh, writing uh, current fiction uh, I just make up what I want to be it's uh, that's the world that I live in and sometimes I make stuff up and sometimes it's real but most of the time it's it's fictional that's uh, 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 fiction writers have great imaginations
2: which do you like that do you like better writing for the screen or just for the page? books books and why is that
3: uh, when you write for a movie or when you write for television you finish your, your script and there are at least 18 people lined up outside the door waiting to come in and put their fingerprints all over what you wrote and when you write a, a novel it's between the author and the editor and God and God is frequently cut out of the loop so uh, I, I, I love Having total control of
2: my own work and why mysteries for you
3: uh, because it gives me a chance to uh, write about and discuss things that irritate me and annoy me and enrage me uh, in the Cleveland creep um, it's about all sorts of things it's about uh, uh, teenage prostitution but not not in the ghetto these are uh, upper-middle-class teenage kids who are selling themselves and making a lot of money which stunned me when I realized about that and the other thing and it's a big deal for me is animal abuse and so that's part of the book too so almost everything that I write has something to do with something that I really care about because I can't just sit down and say oh I'll write a murder mystery about such and such it's something that really drives me Uh, I'm, I'm one of those writers and I I teach writing sometimes, and I always tell people, "Put yourself on the page." I, I want to know what you think about this, because let's face it, there are only like eight plots that have ever been written. But uh, you write it your way, and then I want to read it. If you try to write it like somebody else, I'll read the original. You know, like so many people, you know, like they want to write like Hemingway. No, Hemingway writes like Hemingway.
2: You write like you. Well, the book is The Cleveland Creep, and we're here with Les Roberts. Thank you. Thank you. For
0: More information about Les Roberts is available at the Writer's Talk website, www.writer'stalk.org. Now, another time travel with Robin Yocum at this year's Ohio Anna Book Festival.
2: I'm Joseph Frazier. I'm here at the Ohioana Book Festival with Robin Yoakum, who is the author of the new book, Favorite Sons. So why don't you just tell me a little bit about this book? Sure. It's it's a uh, book set
4: in eastern Ohio, the hills of eastern Ohio, right along the Ohio River. And it's uh, in two sections. One, the first half of the book takes takes place in 1974. Uh, four young boys, town's favorite sons, are up looking for arrowheads, and uh, there's an encounter... Uh, somewhat unfortunate encounter with a uh, boy that's a couple years older than him, has a lot of mental and psychological issues, and uh, that boy ends up dead in the weeds. And these four kids uh, conspire to keep it a secret, even when a, a a fella goes to prison, wrongfully convicted man goes to prison for the murder. second half of the book takes place 30 years later when the narrator, who's one of the four boys, is... Uh, Uh, prosecuting attorney and running for Ohio Attorney General. And he is uh, in the midst of his campaign when the wrongfully convicted guy uh, surfaces, and he's out of prison now, and he knows what really happened up on the Hill that day and begins blackmailing uh, the central character, Hutch Hutch Van Buren. And Hutch needs to decide what's going to happen if he's going to be victim to the blackmail, and uh, he ends up going back and trying to Reconnect with these guys that he's left years and years ago. Try to figure out what, how they're going to handle this situation. And this is your first novel, is that right? It's my first novel. Yeah, it's my third book. Okay. Okay. And uh, uh, I will. I had written a couple of true crime books based on my uh, experience as a crime reporter with the Dispatch, and um, I, I'd always wanted to do fiction. So this is actually the, the second book I finished. Uh, it just sold first. Uh, I'll have another book coming out in October, another novel uh, called The Essay. Uh, but yeah, this was, this was the first one. It actually had its roots, its genesis here. It's kind of interesting. is When I was with the dispatch, I had gone down to the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility and did a story uh, uh, on a guy that uh, I was doing a series on wrongful convictions. And I went down did an interview with a guy named Johnny Spurko, and Johnny was on death row at the time for the murder of a, a female postmaster up in Elgin Ohio a little just a little speck of a town up around lima and Before I left, I took a little tour of the death house and which in those days we used the electric chair and right off the the that room there was a small room with a panel, and it was on that panel there was a red and a green and a white button and on Execution days, uh, they would um, three guards. It was it was extra pay, but volunteer would go in, and on the superintendent's command, would each of them would push their button. But only one of them was hooked up to the juice, and that always just sort of stuck with me. I, and I w- always wondered, you know, who who volunteers for that? What's that guy look like? What goes through his head? And so that was as far as I'd gotten, and, and I thought maybe I'll do a book about this prison guard. The name of the book will be The Button Man. And it'll be about his relationship or friendship with a death row inmate who over time he starts to think was wrongfully convicted. Okay. At some point, uh, I started writing. And what I did was I I, I started to write the story uh, I, to create the crime for which this guy was wrongfully convicted. And once I had it, take, that done, I really liked the four characters, these four boys, and I thought, I'm just going to kind of ditch that and go a different way because I wanted to find out what happens to these four kids uh, as they're trying to conceal this and what happens to them, what impact that has over the, the decades.
2: So tell me a little bit about the difference between writing uh, as a journalist um, and then now now doing fiction. D- the difference, mm-hmm. you know,
4: I, I think fiction is a little bit easier. Okay um I've had some opportunities to do some some more uh, nonfiction but the reason I've gravitated toward fiction I think is one to, to do nonfiction takes a lot of research and a lot of time that I don't really have i've, I've a, I run a business uh, a marketing and PR business and I need to write when I have time to write and so sometimes that's you know dic- doing dictation in the car it's early in the morning it's late at in the evening, it just depends. Uh, and I wanted to create a book. You know, for all those years as a journalist, you know, you're you're recording other people's deeds and misdeeds, and and I wanted to create something that was uniquely mine. My ideas, my words, my imagination, and I think that's why I gravitated toward fiction.
2: It's interesting you say that. I would I would think most people might say that nonfiction might be easier, just because you have all the source material. You don't have to create any of it. But tell me a little bit about the writing process for you um, and how, when you're writing uh, from your imagination, fiction, how that might be different from from doing journalism or nonfiction.
4: Well, you know, obviously, uh, uh, in journalism, you're restricted by the facts,
2: mm-hmm. you know. Uh,
4: but I write... Uh, I, I try to write every day. I try to do something every day. And like I said, sometimes that's dictating in the car when I'm driving on a recorder... Um, and I will write when I'm creating a, a book. I, I, I talk about buckets, okay? Because I don't necessarily write in sequence. If I have an idea for a scene and it's later in the book, I'll go ahead. I'll record it. It's good, I get it down on paper. Get it down in my computer so that I'm moving the ball. You know, I'm I'm, I'm moving the ball down the field. You know, it, it doesn't. That may not take care of the first chapter or the second chapter, but I, I'm getting words down and getting these thoughts and ideas. And, and I put them, I said, okay, I don't know exactly where this is going to go, but I know it's in this bucket, okay, it's, it's, it, which in this bucket is taking care of maybe the, uh, the, the last part of the book or, or somewhere right into the second half of the book. I know where, so I'll start putting them in these sections, and then later I'll start carving out chapters and, and actual stories. Because I'm just trying to, 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 to always move the, move the ball down the field, try to, try to get words down, try to get ideas down, so that the book will sh- start, to take sh- start to take shape.
2: It sounds like the two books that you've written so far are pretty heavily influenced on the, the work you've done as a crime reporter.
4: This one, for sure, okay. Uh, you know, because there's a there's a there are characters in that book that I met during my years as a crime reporter when I was on the investigative team. Uh, this, the book that's coming out in the fall, the essay, um, my point of entry there, that that idea originally was to write a book about a kid who uses football to break this cycle of poverty and alcoholism that has defined his family for years. I got started on it, and I wanted to create some, a little bit of drama. Uh, perhaps he's not the greatest student. Uh, and then I thought, you know, maybe writing is a better approach here. So he's, instead of breaking that poverty through athletics, he's going to do it because he's a writer, is and, there... and, and, and you know, he creates a, a path to get out of there.
2: Why did you want to write that story?
4: because it came to me early on, and, and I had an idea of where this kid would live <clears throat> in this rural part of Vinton County, uh, and in many respects, it's somewhat like eastern Ohio, a lot of hills, um, poverty. And uh, I, I created this character uh, who I liked, Jimmy Lee Hickam. And uh, w- once I got rolling... It just seemed like uh, you know I could I could carve this book around it. I can't say every book you know I, I call it that point of entry, and and with favored sons it was the, the visit to the that room where the buttons were on the panel. Uh, with the essay, it started with a kid playing high school football and trying to trying to carve a new life for himself. Uh, now in both cases, the final book didn't end up the way I had I started but that was my intent and that was the direction I was heading
2: and then sometimes
4: your characters tell you now this is this is the path I'm taking
2: do you have any, uh, any anything else you're working on or anything else that you really would like to write in the future
4: uh, well I'm working on a, a book um, loosely based on the life of my grandmother okay uh, set in eastern Ohio in 1926 during a coal mine strike and and it's you know told through her eyes and uh which I think as that that was uh, what I was trying to finish up when the essay sold. So the essay will come out October first. So it's given me a little extra time now to to polish that up and work on it. So hopefully I've got it ready to go to my agent uh, sometime this summer.
2: And do you think your work as a journalist has um, how has it impacted your your fiction writing? And at what skills transfer?
4: Well. I, I've always believed. It. I had a uh, an editor once tell me uh, I was working on a story and trying to get it just right. He said, "Yochum, it's not war and peace. It's a, <laughs> we're a daily newspaper, which means we come out every day, and today is a day. So get it done." And so I find that that one I can work, you know, during in the middle of a riot, and I can keep my focus and write. I, I don't need complete silence and you know i, I can focus and, and and work and i think that was part of that newsroom you know where there's things going on all the time it's loud you got to just kind of you focus in and also the fact that every word doesn't have to be the perfect word sometimes it's just good that you, know, you you have to get words down on paper or on in your computer and and go back later and polish it but but you know type get 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 something down so you can keep moving the ball down the field.
2: Now that you, when you don't have daily deadlines in the fiction writing, do you find yourself, is it hard maybe to, to finally put the pen down and call it finished? Not for me. Okay.
4: No. Um, because I, my, I, I don't know, a, a worse trait is probably not the, the, the best way to, to say it, but I can't think of a different way, as a writer is my own impatience. Okay, I got that project done. Let's get to the next one. Okay, I got that book done. Let's go to the next one. When when you need to go back, and I, on on uh, some of the books I'm working on now, I really forced myself to go back and reread it, polish it, w- work on it, because you know I just I'm impatient. I want to I want to get it done and get to the next project. And so you've really got to take take some time. And, and force yourself to sit down and read it, and not just read it and go, but you know, start looking at it and say, okay, now do I have the right words? Have I said it the way I want to say it? You know, invariably you get you read it a month later and you go, oh no, this is a better word. Why was I thinking there? Uh, even favorite sons, I'll read it and now and think, oh, if, I could, if I'd have thought of this, yeah. you know. But at some point, it has to be done.
2: You know,
4: your editors are
2: are screaming for it, though. So. Well, the book is favorite sons, and the essay will be out soon. October first. October first. Robin Yocum, thank you for oh, joining us. Thanks for having Appreciate you. it.
0: More information about Robin Yocum is available at the Writers Talk website at www.writerstalk.org from the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at the Ohio State University. This has been Writers Talk. I'm Doug Dangler. Till next time, keep writing.